Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Playing Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Orlando Dugay. Orlando Dugay is a Diné fashion designer based out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, self-taught and incredibly driven. Orlando Dugay is a made-to-order fashion brand located in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and led by designer Orlando Dugay himself. Dugay's designs are elegant, timeless, and intricate, often involving many hours of hand embroidery and embellishing. Dugay's been exhibited at the Denver Art Museum, the Museum of the Indian Arts and Culture, the Wheelhouse Museum, and many others. He's received numerous awards and recognitions for his work at the Swaya, the Cherokee Art Show, and the Heard Museum Guild Art Show. Before we jump into this podcast, I want to note that this podcast is hosted in part by First American Art Magazine, the leading journal of Native arts, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary covering ancestral, historical, and living arts by indigenous peoples of the Americas. It's, it's been great. We're in our third of four episodes with the First American Art Magazine, and this has been an absolute joy. And the folks that we've been interviewing in the series have been among the best of the episodes that we've done and it's, it's just been really exciting so with that said let's jump into this interview with Orlando Tagai. Orlando Tagai, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions it's really great to have you here thank you for having me uh, would you be able to introduce yourself uh, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds uh, where you're from and what it is that you do uh, oh, yat eh, she Orlando Dugain che. Uh, ki anin snort, what a cheat ni bashish chin, as a sana dashit che do, tsetesh kusni dashin male. Uh, just a bay de, uh, isima shuck at a, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, the shogando nash nish. Uh, my name is Orlando Dugai, and I'm based in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I specialize in special occasion wear, uh, which involves a lot of, uh, hand beading and embroidery, uh, a lot of hand stitching, uh, many one-off pieces, but I have been recently venturing into ready-to-wear, made-to-order, um, and uh, that's what I do currently, and I produced my first men's collection last year, uh, started in, I've been, I think, around, I'm going on my 12th year now of designing. And uh, my first garment I designed in 2009, I believe it was. And uh, just kind of in 2011 is when I decided that this is what I wanted to pursue, um, design. And um, so I just sort of went out and learned as much as I could. Uh, I'm self-taught um, uh, designing pattern making, draping, um uh, uh, different types of embroidery and just different techniques. And every year I try to do something. Now it's, people will hold this to me, you know, when I say this, but I try to incorporate some new technique or some new thing that I have learned a- into a collection. Um, maybe it might just be one garment, um, but now people will probably say and ask, oh, so what is it that you learned this time? <laughs> so it's um, it's kind of funny. Uh, one year I did Coach Neil and now 
I kind of use Coach Neil in a little bit here and there now, but um, now people expect me to have Coach Neil in everything. So, um, so that's why I just that's always why I mentioned that people will hold me <laughs> to that um, confession. I guess I don't know, but um, it's, <laughs> it's the burden of the, of the artist, though, right? They they do yeah. something people really connect to, and they sort of expect to see that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't mind using Coach Neil at all. I mean, like, I love it because, you know, it, it really goes back to um, the history of Navajo Weavers. So, and also uh, just the history of uh, the Americas, uh, Central America, South America. Um, and, you know, it's it's close by. So, and it, it has a long history, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Hmm. You had mentioned that uh, you had done your first piece in two thousand nine. What mm-hmm. what was what was it about that piece and at that time that sort of became sort of what what maybe you as recognized as the starting points of your career? Um, well, it was a design that I had in my mind for. So my first art show was probably two thousand. Well, it was two thousand nine. <laughs> that was my first art show ever in um Oklahoma uh Cherokee Art Market in Catoosa, uh, Oklahoma. And I started out doing um hand beaded clutches, like really small um evening clutches uh with very intricate um imagery of like flowers and um wildlife and um eventually male models. And um there was so intricate like the beads were so tiny um the smallest bead that i would have i've ever used is size 24 26 in there um which is really really small and to give you an idea i always say that it uh 24 is smaller than a grain of sugar so the beads would get that small and the largest bead i would have used in that time was a size 13 and but that's what I started out doing um, my first year, 2009 art shows. And, but I had this dress in mind, right? And so I just decided to sketch it one day and um, not knowing anything about dressmaking, uh, pattern making, uh, draping on a dress form. But I, um, I really wanted to do this dress. It was just a floral um, bodice. Um, the flowers that kind of bind its way around the, the wearer. And, uh, and then this, uh, from the waist down, it was just flowing silk. Right. And so I had this, um, image in my head of this woman wearing this dress and, you know, just, um, seeing the, the, the silk flowing behind her as she moves forward, walks here, walks there, um, and just movement. And, um, so I decided to do it. I, you know, I, I went out and bought a dress form from Joanne Fabrics and, um, I just went about doing it. Um, I, at that point I didn't, um, research or try, you know, try to get more info on how to start. I just, this is what I need to do. And this is what I'm going to do. Right. So, because when I made my handbags, I designed and made them from start to finish from scratch. You know, I didn't go out and buy a ready-made bag and beat over the top of it. I made the actual design of the form. I um, molded it and shaped it to what I needed it to be. And um, 
And so I kind of thought of it in the same way. Um, I thought of the body as the mold and the dress had to go on it, right? Like the, the, the beading and the, the silk. Um, and so I did that and I entered it at um, Santa Fe Indian Market here in Santa Fe. And they have a clothing competition. Well, a reason why I entered it is because there was a clothing competition. And that was also the reason why I decided to make a dress because of that clothing competition. Um, I, I believe it used to be only traditional clothing. So different tribes would come in and, um, you know, enter the, uh, the competition wearing their traditional clothes. And, um, but eventually their, um, Jerry Abihill was, uh, the organizer for that. Um, and she introduced, um, contemporary category. And so, um, like that's around what time I came, I guess, or maybe I'm, I'm not quite sure how long it was before I showed up on the scene because I just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I met my partner and um, he was already doing art shows. He was very um, big into, um, I mean, he was a uh, very, um, what's the word? He was very into the art scene here in Santa Fe. He went to school at IA. Um, but so he introduced me to the, to the art scene. And so he, they saw how that I did beadwork, right? So um, that's he. He's the one who encouraged me to try out for it. So I did, and 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 I'm, I'm I got to the point where I learned about the competition, the clothing competition at Santa Fe, uh, Swaya Market, and um, <clears throat> so I, you know, that's what prompted me to do the dress as well. So I entered it. I got a first place, um, and then uh, you know, the following year. I, you know, I, well, first of all, the, the, the way the model put the dress on and the way she stood, you know, it was, I mean, the, the dress was very, um, there was, it was just flowers and vines and leaves. That's it. There was no other coverage on the dress, but, you know, so you had to be very confident to, in yourself to put this dress on and the model did that, you know, and she's, she's, I mean, not forcing her to do it. She just felt comfortable in it, I guess. And it, I followed, uh, the following year, I decided to do it again. And this time I entered two pieces. I made two dresses, all of, again, all hand beaded, all hand sewn. I didn't even use a sewing machine. Um, and so everything was hand done and I did these two dresses and I got a second and a third place. And, um, that year, I got asked to do um, or to participate in a fashion show with uh, the Gesson family, who are um, you know they're a, a major uh, jewelry family here in uh, Santa Fe, um, and <clears throat> so I did that, and I told them I you know I could only do a few pieces, and uh, they said, oh no, that's fine, that's fine. So I decided to go ahead and do that, and. Um, And same thing, you know, just the way the, the clothes, um, the women, you know, not, I wouldn't say transformed, but how they just really showed the confidence in the clothes. And so I always try to make sure that I don't, the model's not uncomfortable in something that I've made and designed, you know, designed and made. And so I always ask the model, are you okay? Is, is this fine? Are you comfortable? You know, do you? you feel okay, you know, because <laughs> I want to know, I don't want to force someone to wear something that 
they're going to be uncomfortable in because that will just show when someone's wearing it, right? And the public will see it. But um, but that's what um, seeing the models walking down the runway is a uh, uh, total different. It's a it's a whole feeling, right? Um, just seeing something that you designed and created, and someone else is wearing it, and um, the confidence and how they 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 present themselves, um, while showing it off, um, was what sort of pushed me to to do this. But um, you know, I also had um, I really enjoyed. The, the process uh, from designing it, um, you know, just thinking up the idea and um, executing it. Um, the whole process of it was um, that I, I found really um, fun. And so I just decided that year that this is what I was going to pursue. And um, then I just started reading, researching, and finding all kinds of uh papers and videos to to teach myself all these different um uh sewing techniques and embroidery and um draping and things like that so and pattern making was a major one um so yeah i i i just taught myself how to do all of that and i'm still doing that now so with this um self-discovery and this education that you were going through. Um, it, it does bring up the question about uh, who your biggest influences are um, early on uh, in your life and your career and uh, who and what is influencing you today. I think the first is my grandparents. Uh, it's uh, it's so weird. Every time I just bring up my, I just think or say grandparents, you know, I, I get emotional about it, but I've been around them. I, when I was growing up a lot, I've been around them and, um, they, you know, I learned a lot from them and they, all the grandmas, they, uh, my grandmothers, they all do, they have made their own clothing. Right. And so ever since I was small, I remember seeing them making the velvet, um, blouses and um the satin and cotton uh skirts you know and they would hand sew everything <clears throat> and so everything was hand stitched so i always remember them sitting on the floor you know um with this fabric spread out around them and then them stitching and um and then you know later you'd see them wearing it um so that was something that was that i always remember um and i had one uh, paternal grandmother who was um uh, who had a sewing machine, those old treadle foot sewing machines. And I remember her using it. Um, in fact, my cousin, um, a cousin of mine, he, she, um, has, took a photo of her using the machine and, um, I saved it from social media and, you know, I have it, and, you know, it's really special to me, but, um, and they're all weavers. Um, I have a couple of textiles, uh, that they have woven. And, uh, so they continue to influence me from the very beginning through the very beginning of my career into now, you know, and, um, there's so many different ways that they, uh, um, influence my work and just, uh, um, you know, I, I, but just not just my grandmothers, but, you know, my grandfathers too, you, you know, they, 
them as a couple, you know, like that we used to go to ceremonies and do things like that. And so um, the whole, uh, the feelings that I experienced during those times, um, a lot of those are brought into my work. So a lot of my work from the, from to now is, has been about what I had experienced when I was a child, when I was younger. Um, and then in the very beginnings of my fashion career, um, uh, Valentino and um, Christian Dior and um, Yves Saint Laurent, they've always, they've really influenced the, the style of direction of clothing that I wanted to produce. Um, so those were, you know, from a fashion, from a European fashion point of view, that was um, uh, from a, that that those were the designers that I had um, really enjoyed um, seeing their work. And when I was doing my research, you know, those were the designs that I came across first in, in the library in Salt Lake City, Utah, you know, the public library. I used to go there and um, look at the books. And, um, and so, uh, and those were the books that were in that library. So that's how I, I went there. You know, I didn't, I grew up looking at, um, fashion magazines, um, or following fashion. Um, I think I probably picked up a GQ magazine just here and there, but, um, you know, you see them when the grocery store, you know, you know, when you're the Vogue magazine, you know, I never thought of picking it up to, to look into it. Um, but I must've seen something somewhere at some point because that's where I decided to do evening clutches too, you know, because, um, it was just, you know, just little things like that that influenced me now. Um, but yeah, so that was sort of my very first influencers is my grandparents. Long story. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's wonderful. It's very sweet. Um, yeah, I think, especially just from within our culture. I'm I'm a Dakota. I'm from uh, South Dakota. Yeah, uh, the time. The time with our with our uh, grandparents is an extremely special time, and mm-hmm. it's never long enough, you know. Yeah. And especially as we get older, moving in different stages, I often sort of reflect. I, I get questions, and I I want to talk to them and ask them questions from a perspective of as I'm aging forward, you know. And mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably the same for you as well. Yeah, I mean, my parent, my my grand, my one grandma's turning ninety. My maternal grandmother, uh, my paternal grandfather, he's going, he's 90. Uh, how old is he going to be? He's in his 90s. Um, and then um, my uh, my two paternal grandmothers, um, you know, they're up there in age as well, um, 80s. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky that they're still here and I get to see them and that's why I think that's why I get so emotional because I live six hours away and, but I don't see them enough, you know, and, um, uh, it's just really, it's just, they're just really special. And, uh, yes. And so I do my, my maternal grandmother, uh, who her birthday was yesterday and we're going to be there this weekend to, you know, celebrate birthday with her. They're having her little party this, um, Saturday, but, um, it's really hard because I can't communicate with her. She can't hear, 
Hmm. And, um, you know, we've tried everything with hearing aids and things like that. And it just, it's not, you know, she breaks them and then she gets frustrated with them. So she doesn't wear them <laughs> at all. She was like, but even then she couldn't hear. So mm-hmm. I think her hearing's just completely gone. And so it makes me a little sad because it's like, she's, she's there, but she's alone, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but, um, she's so happy when the whole family comes for her birthday, it's, you know, around Easter time. So everyone is, so it, everyone comes, you know, so it's, she really looks forward to it. It's really cute. Oh, so you, you, so you'll be seeing her uh, within the next week or so, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Great. Yeah. Saturday. We're leaving early in the morning. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. Yeah. Um, And just so the listener knows this is being recorded uh, a week before Easter. uh, And so, yeah. Um, Maybe, maybe I'll cut this part out, but uh, a couple of years ago um, I was having dinner uh, or lunch with, uh, with, Billy Mills and my parents and we we had this just sweet little um, lunch one day and afterwards uh, uh, Mr. Mills and I were talking and he he turned me my, my dad was I think 84 at that point he had he has since passed away um, but he had said to me that cherish cherish these moments with with your dad you know cherish these times um, and, and take as much as you can from them while they're still here you know, and so yeah. I, I offer that to you too, you know, you don't yeah, need to hear you. it from, from me, but I, I want to pass that yeah. along, you know, I appreciate um, it. Thank you. Yeah. What um, a gift. Yeah. Thank you. What a gift to have that. So let's, let's talk about your career. How, how has that developed? I mean, we've, we've touched it at, at the beginning, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. How, how has that uh, uh, come along in the last, gosh, 13, 14 years now? Uh, well, yeah. Is it? 12 13 years it's i think it's going on 13 i might you might be right because i did did 10 11 a 12 i think it's yeah. my 12th year okay my 12th. yeah anyway <laughs> so, um i barely remember uh things like from yesterday so um let alone last week and years from ago <laughs> but um uh it's uh it's a constant learning um about learning new things learning uh about my about business um about myself um a couple years ago 2020 uh swaya um did a um wanted to produce a docu series with a filmmaker kayla walstein and here in santa fe and um you know it was during the pandemic so I was one of the native designers that lived in Santa Fe. So it was easy for me to, you know, for them to um, come to the studio, to my workroom and, and film and things like that. And, um, but when I was doing that, uh, the filming for that, um, Kayla, the, the filmmaker, she would ask me questions because she was the one interviewing me and um, asked me questions that, you know, she would record and it was, you know, on the film. And, um, so she would talk to me and I, she would ask me questions and, you know, um, for me, it's really hard for me. It's difficult for me to, um, to articulate exactly what I feel, um, about something or about my work and, uh, into words and, uh, and I, I express it more in the way that I do things, uh, in the way that in, in my clothes. And so, um, and I think also in my work ethic, because, you know, that stems back, it goes back to my grandparents, you know, 
And so, um, but I think that through that film and her asking me these questions, you know, I, I really got to, she let, she opened me up a little more to, to allow me to express my, my, my culture more. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense, but um, because I had it all through it this whole time, but I never really said it out loud, you know, like where I was tell people like, you know, this is, you know, there'd be like little small instances where I would mention something, but it would just be very small because I, for me, I felt um, that it wasn't quite, I didn't know if I was going, if I was right or not um, in doing that, you know, because um, am I revealing things of my culture that shouldn't be told, you know, to an outside public? And, um, but I've come to the point where I'm, I'm not, I feel that I'm not divulging too much, uh, you know, uh, tribal information to, to, to the non-Dene people, um, but just enough to, 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 to show the, the history or a story of something from my background, you know? And so I think that was, that's something that's been really big for me, this change, the shift um, into allowing myself to really um, lean on my background to, to really, to show more in, in what I do. Um, but, you know, it, so that's why I try to find things that are traditional in Navajo and, and bring it into, into fashion in some way. Um, and so, um, like this, I'm currently working on this, um, garment for, for, it's like, um, it's for, um, it's a man's garment. Um, and it's, uh, it's a hand woven. Well, first of all, I took yucca, you know, because yucca is kind of, I think it's kind of universal with all the tribes. We use it in some way, um, or some. It's called soapweed, I believe, also. Um, but <clears throat> I processed it and um, spun it into a yarn, and I wove it into a houndstooth pattern, and um, and. I incorporated that into this in this garment, so it has this um, you know very traditional um, material, the yucca and the wool, um, and 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 infusing it with into this garment, and the, the rest of the, the garment is uh, flowing um, layers of um, silk tulle, very um, beautiful, and you know I just it just flows really well, and it's very transparent and. Um, but um, that that's something. It's like a half pant, half uh, robe flowing, because it sort of for me represents the um, the wearing robe that Navajo uh, people used to wear. And so the half side is 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 just flowing fabric, and um, the other side is like a pant leg, and um, and so it it it's not gonna. It doesn't look like a traditional <laughs> Navajo garment, you know. But but the influence is there, and. Um, um, those are the kinds of things that that's kind of what I mean by incorporating it into there without, I don't know, I don't even know what the white right um, word is or to, to describe that, but um, 
yeah, so it, it's just a lot of different things throughout just more recently where I've been really taking notice. It seems like maybe I've been doing it throughout 2011, you know, and on, but um, it just seems like during the pandemic era, <laughs> I it feels like I've woken up, you know, where I finally realize where I am. I don't know if that makes sense, you know, like, like, what was I doing since 2011 to 2019? You know, I know what I did, but it, it's just kind of strange to, to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm waking up now, you know, from a slumber of some kind. <laughs> Very strange. I, but. I 100% feel that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's my age. I don't know. <laughs> I recently um, had a conversation with Erin Shaw and we, we, she, she's kind of going through the same thing as well. You know, just this, this shift, you know, and is it age? We don't, you know, I mean, uh, she and I are pretty close in age, I think. And it's just like, well, you get to a certain point where you start to reprioritize things, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it kind of sounds like maybe this is the case for you as well. I think it's wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I'm excluded <laughs> from that. So. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it does feel that way. But it, I, I, I really realized that, recognized that um, recently. So, yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> so over, over the last um, 12 years or so, how have opportunities presented themselves to you? And how have those opportunities um, changed over time because uh, early early in the career they come in one form or the other but as you sort of develop uh your your career and um i guess the way things are things present themselves differently mm -hmm. um i think the very beginning they uh yeah everything was coming from everywhere i mean like um when you produce something like in clothing for instance in, in fashion right uh all these different places, these fashion shows are um, sending you emails and contacting you on social media saying, oh, we looked at your work and, oh, it's fabulous. And we, we really would love you. We think you'd be a great fit for our show. And, you know, and they make it sound so wonderful, right? So as a newcomer, you're just happy and excited and like, oh my gosh, people are like, they saw my work, you know, I'm like, where, where did they see this? And so you get so excited and you decide to go ahead, go forward and apply and, and, and do this whole thing. And then it's not, it doesn't, it's not anywhere near what they had, you had envisioned, I guess. Um, maybe it was for them as a, as a, company or a brand or a uh, entertainment thing um, but so I think what I'm trying to say is I've learned from the first few years that you know I, I can't like s just say yes to everything uh, and, and when people start doing that and so we start to learn to choose which ones um, are appropriate for my brand um, appropriate for, um, you know, what I feel. And for me, a lot of the times I go with my gut, right? Like when, um, like there was this very major, um, I don't want to say, um, company, um, 
that approached me that wanted to do something with me. It's not a fashion brand, um, but it it's a very exclusive um, place. But there was something about it that just rubbed me the wrong way, and so I decided not to pers- to follow through with with them. And um, I mean, it would have been a really great opportunity, maybe, but for some reason, uh, it felt to me like they were going to try and like take something from me. And um, so I tried to keep guard my myself um, because you know it's my brand. You know, I built it. I it's mine and um it it's it, it it's sort of like and it's kind of silly maybe and strange but to me it's like it's like my grandparents because you know it's my it's they're my biggest influences in what i'm doing um and uh so it's sort of like protecting them it, it's 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 very personal and so like different um opportunities do have come up and you know, I read it and think about it, and, and I, for me, I had to take a day or two or several days to think about it before I, you know, commit to anything, make a decision, and um, <clears throat> um, and things still come right. These emails keep coming from here and from there, like, oh, we want you to be, we'd love for you to be part of this and this, and but you know, again, I have to just look at them and decide whether that is a good fit or not. Um, I mean, like some of the um, major um, museum exhibitions that I've been a part of have been really, um, really good um, for me. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of different exhibitions that happen. And, you know, sometimes you do one and maybe it, uh, Maybe it works really well, and sometimes maybe it just is wasn't as major as others. But you do it because um, of the people who are involved in it, and you want to be supportive of that as well. So um, I think that that's um, where I'm at right now. Is just um, taking my time to see, to check out, to think about um, what it is that is being offered offered to me. Um, so I don't know if that answers a question or not, but, um, yeah. No, I think, I think that's a great perspective. Um, you know, uh, it sometimes we feel obligated to say yes to things and then we find ourselves way overstretched or way Mm -hmm. overcommitted to things that, um, probably don't feel right to us, you know? So I think it's a very important perspective to be very uh, observant of what's coming in and what your gut's saying, you know, cause that's, Mm -hmm. um, that's really the, the safety net that we have is that gut. Yeah. And then also my partner is a big one. He always tells me you got to stop saying yes to everything, you know? So, I mean, like, if somebody want like one of the big ones too is where um you know uh commissions you know I can't take a commission for everything uh mm-hmm. I can't take an order for something because it's just me by myself right and if I take this it's I can't there's no room for anything else and you know so um yeah anyway I just wanted to throw that in there <laughs> no no yeah that's that that's fair so. What would you say to the 18 to 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Well, see, when I was 18 or, and 22 in there, 
I had just finished high school. I wasn't sure where I was going to do, where I was going to go. Um, but <clears throat> I guess I would say I don't regret. I mean, I, I wouldn't, this is not advice. <laughs> I, w- I don't regret not knowing at that age what I was going to do because it took me into my early 30s before I decided what I actually wanted to do in, as a career and for the rest of my life. And um, because all those years uh, in between there, um, I've met so many people um, and, you know, just experienced different things. And that's what brought me to my early 30s and started on this journey. So, um, I mean, like whatever you decide to do, I mean, whatever I decided to do, it, it worked out. It worked. It's working out okay now you know so i think um because you know a lot of times you you have to know exactly where you're going to go what you're going to do which is great i mean i applaud those people that have that that drive early on i mean because i had friends in high school who knew exactly what they were going to do and what they were going to pursue and and that's that's awesome um just for me it would i just took a, a longer path to get there (laughs) so but it's been fun no that's granting ourselves permission not to to have that five-year plan right out of high school um Mm -hmm. i think that's that's a big thing uh, not having that or not committing to that um Mm -hmm. because a lot of times i think for a lot of people who try to do that it just leads to a lot of disappointment in themselves Mm -hmm. you know because they didn't get the thing or they didn't get that status at 24, which, um, you know, looking back, uh, I mean, it's good to be on that journey of self-discovery for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to say sometimes like, what if I had this, you know, this fashion thing idea in my head when I was in high school, what would I have done with it? You know, but there's no point in thinking that way because it's already passed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. And I, I think those experiences uh, that you had um, led you to this unique place that you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I needed me. I needed to mature a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then again, I wasn't mature in my thirties, so <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you have going on right now? What's what's coming up for you? Uh, well, I have a show coming up next week, or no, wait, two weeks um, in LA uh fashion show really looking forward to it and then um i'm currently working on my next collection um it's i i'm in my work room right now um surrounded by a mess of paper and muslin and um i have a really small work room but um everything has to fit in here and um so that's what I'm working on right now, and I'm I'm really looking forward to um, showing the collection in August, uh, the whole collection in August. Um, I've got um, like the uh, the the piece I was telling you about with the yucca. You know, that's going to be something new that's coming out, and um, uh, just really trying to explore a little bit more of um, just. And cultural history, not history, um, 
background in into the collection and kind of bring it out a little bit more. Um, so yeah, and that's what I'm working on right now. And um, I'm trying to, yeah, just keep making money. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. Where can, where can our listener find your work? Um, my website, which is orlandodugay.com. Uh, and all social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook are all at Orlando Dugay. I keep it simple. Everything's just my name. <laughs> no, that's great. We'll um we'll put links in the show notes uh, so they can yeah. they can find you there. Uh, great. So what brought us together um is this celebration of ten years with First American Art Magazine, and you uh were in their first issue. And here we are 10 years later. It's, it's a fantastic magazine. It's done so much for our art community. Um, and you have a place in that history. And I was wondering if you could reflect back a little bit about that experience and how that's, yeah, how that's stayed with you. Um, yeah. So, um, my aunt Barb, uh, Barbara Harjo, uh, okay. Yeah. I know. Yeah. She's, uh, she really encouraged me to try, you know, to, to be included in this first issue and, you know, had met America. We had met America and her mom, uh, before the, it started. And so, you know, um, again, you know, it's, it's that feeling where you're, you know, it's, it's good. It's going to be okay. You know, um, and I knew the people, so, um, I trusted them and, um, I was really excited about this, this magazine and what they were doing. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't have any, um, problems with, with being included in the first issue. And, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty neat, you know, um, having, a um, and a whole article on just me in, in, in the magazine. And, um, and then the interviewer, the, um, Terry Greaves, um, she, you know, I know her too. Um, you know, she's, um, uh, close to my partner, um, and now me. Um, so it's kind of been, it's, it's sort of like this large extended family, and going into this venture with them and just being supportive and, um, you know, excited about the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so that's my, that's what I felt about it at the time. I think it was 10, over 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Time does slip so fast. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, Orlando, uh, it's been an honor to share this, uh, this space with you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. And that does it for this episode of Five Plane Questions. I want to thank Orlando again for his time and sharing his story with us. You know, a word that comes to mind at the end of this episode is family. You, um, you know, so often in our communities, uh, we, we are very, we're a very tight-knit community. It's, it's not a large community. And so, Many of the guests have recommended other guests over time, and while in the most cases they're, they're not blood relatives, uh, we are all relatives nonetheless. And so family is a word that, that definitely comes to mind, especially as I'm looking forward uh, to the rest of this season. Um, 
there, there are some really close people that are coming up that are leaders in this field. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about this, this mini-series with First American Art Magazine is the quality of guests that they have brought to, to our program here. Um, admittedly, uh, two of these guests I've been wanting to have on for a long time, and two of these guests, in Orlando included, are, for myself, wonderful introductions onto who they are. And, you know, Orlando feels like one of my cousins from back home that I'm connecting with. Uh, uh, same with Aaron last week. Um, Nita, <laughs> three, uh, at the beginning of April, feels like one of my aunties. And so this is just wonderful. And so to the folks at um, First American Art Magazine, thank you for this. This has been wonderful. Next month, uh, at the beginning of May 2023, uh, we're going to have Orlando, Jones the second on and he has taken the photograph of the cover of the current magazine so if you get a chance get to your bookstore order order it online uh, support them for the great uh, first qual- first rate quality of work that they're doing over there. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, at the Five Plane Questions uh, accounts, and at our planesart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. So if you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look us up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. All right, you take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.